What's up, guys, and welcome once again to Syracuse Basketball Post Game presented by Krause Health, exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. My name is Brent Axe. It is great to be with you here once again. A Tuesday night at the Dome, the final home game of the 2023-24 season. Results in Syracuse winning its third straight game. This is the first time they've won three straight games since late December. So since last year, technically, the Orange have won four of their last five. Judah Mintz goes off for 29 points tonight. I don't know, guys. March is around the corner. I know that they're off the radar screen right now. I believe uh, the bracketologist guru Joe Lenardi said Syracuse may have played its way back onto the bubble. The margin for error is still pretty slim. I still think they've got a win out here and cannot slip on a banana peel against Louisville on Saturday. Need the win over Clemson next Tuesday. Need a strong showing in the ACC tournament. But what you're seeing is a Syracuse team that has found itself, that has found its identity, that is coming together, that is playing some of its best basketball of the season at the right time to be doing it. This team still has its flaws. It had another second half Meltdown would be a strong word, but breakdown, I think, would be a fair assessment tonight. They beat Virginia Tech 84-71. to That's a quad two win. And I don't know, guys. I don't, I don't want to get all the way in here. I just I don't want to get all the way in here and just have it come crashing down and, and let you down. I don't want to lead you astray. I don't want to tease you here. But the fact of the matter is, this team just keeps winning, and this team is coming together at the right time of the year, and they just may be back in this thing, right? What was uh, that famous game Syracuse was in uh, that Cal was always in it, right? I think Cal's still in this thing. I think Syracuse is still in this thing, guys. And the metrics and the net rankings and all this stuff, shameless plug, I'm going to have a bracketologist on this week, the great Patrick Stevens, who I trust more than anybody when it comes to breaking down the net rankings, breaking down the NCAA tournament bubble, the bracket, what it means, why the ACC is down, what Syracuse's chances are. He will give it to us straight. So uh, shameless plug, be listening for that later this week on Syracuse Sports. But what I do know is that Syracuse is playing like a team at the moment that can be, and perhaps you could even make the argument should be, in the NCAA tournament. So we'll think big picture. We'll go inside the locker room. We're going to hear from Judah Mintz, who I have to tell you guys was pretty honest when I asked him the question, do you think this may have been your last home game tonight? way the world is, we were asking the same question last year. He actually referenced that. You're going to hear that clip later on. I think we did see Judah Mintz's last home game at the Dome tonight, and what a way to go out with 29 points for him, and I think you'll appreciate his honesty in the answer. We're going to hear from Quadir Copeland. We're going to hear from Kyle Cuff as well, a guy we have not heard from on the post-game show, and I thought really contributed to what Syracuse did tonight. Now, we're not going to hear from Coach Autry, but I have some quotes from Coach Autry, a couple I disagree with, by the way. I think he went a little over the moon on a couple of things that he said about his team tonight that I, I do disagree with, but uh, I think he also said some really smart things about this team, and he has certainly heard from you in terms of what this offense is and why don't they run plays, and he had a pretty direct response to that. As Autry, I think, is really kind of coming into his own as the head coach, starting to take some ownership of this thing. And Syracuse, by winning this game, gets to 19-10. and 10. They're 10-8. and 8. 
in ACC play. Syracuse is nine and ten, uh, 19 and 10. The 19 regular season wins are the most for Syracuse since the 2018-19 team had a 19 and 12 record going into the ACC tournament. The last time Syracuse had more than 19 regular season wins, the 2013-14 season when Syracuse went 27 and 4 their first year in the ACC. Jim Beheim, his last four seasons as head coach, did not eclipse 18 wins. Autry has now with 19. Now we can haggle about Chaminade and Syracuse playing them in the Maui Invitational. They're a Division II team. But, hey, 19 wins is 19 wins. They could get over the hump. And uh, as the great SU alum Al Davis once said, just win, baby. You keep winning, you're going to get back in this conversation. And a lot more of the Joe Lenardis and the Patrick Stevens of the world are going to have to put Syracuse on the bubble and rise up as long as they keep taking care of business as they did in this game tonight. Now there's a yin and a yang to this offensively. This team is just on an absolute heater since that dreadful performance against Georgia tech. We have just seen a different team offensively and it really rings true here. So Georgia tech, the only score 60 points in a 65 60 loss since then, They score 87 points against NC State. They score 88 points against Notre Dame. They score 84 points tonight. Go back to North Carolina when they scored 86. And the win before that, now they lost to Clemson 77-68, but go back to the Louisville game back on February 7th, so 20 days ago. Feels a lot longer than that, but that's when it was. And they scored 94 points in that game. And Adrian Autry saying in postgame tonight, he feels like this team has been good offensively all year they're in a sweet spot offensively they're scoring in the mid 80s they're holding on for dear life defensively this second half breakdown i'm going to call it not a meltdown was not as certainly as bad as the notre dame or nc state breakdowns it's still happening though i think what we said after that notre dame game still applies this is a team that's going to win with offense they're not going to make a ton of stops on defense but i'll give syracuse credit in, in a couple of ways offensively tonight Judah Mintz in particular got in the paint. Syracuse only took 13 three-pointers tonight because they didn't need to take more than that. They outscored Virginia Tech in the paint 54-50. to That's the game. That's Judah Mintz getting in the paint. That's J.J. Starling getting some jumpers in the paint. That's Malik Brown. We're going to talk about Malik a little bit here, uh, honestly, and how he defended tonight. But that's Malik Brown with 12-8, and getting his usual stat stuffers there. That's Justin Taylor who continues to have a little bit of a revival in the cuts that he made in the paint. That's Quadir Copeland scoring 12 points, and Quadir another wild game. I mean, it's just, it's always an adventure with Quadir. You got to give it to him. He's always entertaining. Tweet of the night, Ashley Winskowski, our friend from CNY Central, who said that I think Quadir Copeland thinks he's a Harlem Globetrotter sometimes. And uh, some of our Syracuse sports insiders who we're going to hear from coming up noted that as well. But that's how you win this game. Syracuse shoots 57%. They out-rebound Virginia Tech 31-27. to This team's going to win offensively. And what we're seeing is a team that's moving the ball better. To see Judah Mintz score 29 points, he's over that cut line. Mike Waters had the great stat that if Judah's at about 14, 15 shots, typically Syracuse loses the game. Not tonight. He's 10 of 17. He's a perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line. And by the way, guys, this was a game neither team missed a free throw. Syracuse 12 of 12, Virginia Tech 3 of 3. Be still my heart. Free throws matter. And that, that was only 15 attempted free throws in this game. So, And Teddy TV was in the building. 
If you're telling me that Teddy TV is in the building and there's only 15 free throws, I'm telling you that Teddy was in his fourth game in four nights and probably just kind of felt like he needed the night off. So thank you for that, Teddy, and not making your presence made too much in this game. Only 15 free throws. That's pretty uh, incredible to think about here. But that's how Syracuse won this game. They got in the paint. They're moving the ball better. They're confident on offense. And when you hear those numbers with Judah, sometimes you worry. Like, oh, boy, he was ball hogging it. He was ISO in it. Not the case. He took what the defense gave him. And Virginia Tech gave Syracuse the paint all night. They could not defend in the paint to save their life. It results in Syracuse. Only taking 13 threes. Virginia Tech went 6 of 20 from three-point range. That's a good three-point shooting team. You will take that every time. You know, Hunter Couture hit a couple of shots. Padula ends up with 18 points, and they went 6 of 20 overall from three-point range. You will take that. Uh, Autry, I'm going to give you a couple of his quotes here in a moment, was very happy how Syracuse defended, how they rebounded, how they got into the paint. So uh, a phenomenal job for, for Syracuse from that standpoint. But what did happen in the second half was they broke down defensively again. And see, this is where I think Autry got a little over his skis a little bit in his post-game uh, press conference, and we'll note that and what he said uh, coming up here shortly. But look, Syracuse lost the second half of this game 44-39. to It wasn't NC State or Notre Dame where, where everybody's, you know, there's not a fingernail left in the dome. Syracuse managed to hold off this team by, we mentioned, getting in the paint. There weren't a lot of great defensive plays, but Chris Bell had a key block where Syracuse comes out of a timeout. He makes a block. Then you get Judah dishing it in to Q. He scores at 73-62. Judah drives to the bucket on back-to-back possessions. That puts Syracuse up by 10. Another drive by Mintz, who just kept scoring down the stretch for this team, gets the foul. That puts Syracuse up by 11, 80-69 at that point. Then Malik Brown with a great dunk, put Syracuse up 82-69, and they kind of finished it off down the stretch. So that block by Chris Bell really revived this team. But what we saw was way too many plays where Virginia Tech was just getting in the paint, getting in the paint, getting in the paint. And I think that Malik Brown's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here because he can't defend as aggressively as he wants to because he can't get into foul trouble. Peter Carey is back. Amoni Hima, who actually went out for senior night festivities tonight, the lone Syracuse student-athlete who did. So, you know, I projected on uh, an episode of Syracuse Sports, which I hope you guys can listen to. It's an Ask Brent Anything podcast, an Ask Me Anything podcast. It's up now on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your Syracuse Sports podcast, of course, because you guys are all subscribed and following Syracuse Sports, right? But he was one of the guys I projected that will not be on the roster next year per a lot of questions from you guys about that. And he did take the senior walk tonight. He did not play tonight. We're talking about Monier Hema because he wasn't feeling well. Uh, Pete Moore, SU Sports Information Director, came over and told us that uh, uh, Monier wasn't feeling well, so he didn't anticipate him to get into the game if Autry was going to go to him. So even with Peter Carey back, Malik Brown's got to be careful defensively. And this is where I want to go to the Autry quotes here. Okay. I know he's proud of his team and I know coaches say things in press conferences, but I just don't think this is necessarily true. Okay. Let's go through a few things that Autry said. One quote from 
Quote, I thought this game today was probably one of the best games. We played both halves today on both ends of the floor. We wanted to defend the three-point line. We did a phenomenal job of doing that, and we rebounded the basketball. You did do those two things, but I don't think this is one of your best games playing both halves on both ends of the floor. There were still many consecutive possessions where Virginia Tech had an easy time getting the ball in the paint with no defensive pressure whatsoever. And Malik Brown, it was just weird to see how many times they just drove right by him. He was out of position, just not his usual self. I mean, Malik's a a solid defender. And again, I want to be patient in discussing this and fair in discussing this because you don't want that guy getting into foul trouble. But you got outscored in the second half. It was another breakdown. It's not like you clamped down here. When you compare it to NC State and Notre Dame, yeah, you look like, you're having a great defensive game, but I think that was a little too um, aggressive in, in the description there. You still had some serious breakdowns defensively in the second half, and Judah and, and the offense, which is Syracuse's best defense at this point, kind of rescued there. It, it rescued you in that point. Now, on Judah, Adrian Autry said this, quote, the one thing I respect the hell out of Judah Mintz is that he's a guy. He's a guy. He really emphasized that. He's a guy. He doesn't run from it. He doesn't shy from it, good or bad. He comes back every game, despite what the result is. He's a guy. You don't have too many people like that with that type of makeup. That's what makes him really special when you have a guy. It gives you an advantage, especially when it gets late in the game. I don't have a problem with him describing Judah that way tonight. We've been critical of Judah at times tonight, typically uh, through the season, I should say, typically when he scores uh, that many points in a shooting 17 times, that doesn't always equate an offense where the ball was moving, things were equaled out, but it did tonight. And we're starting to see much more balance, much more ball movement from this offense going down the stretch here. And I'm going to play a couple clips from Judah where he describes why he thinks that's the case. Here's what Autry said about why he thinks the offense has just been better. And as we noted, the, the high scoring right in the mid-80s sweet spot they seem to be in at this point. Autry said this, and I quote, I think our offense has been great all year. We've had times when we have struggled to score. We average about 77 points last four to five games in the 80s. I think it's our spacing. I think sharing the ball, moving the ball, our guards. I think our chemistry is getting better. I think they understand what we're trying to do. It's easy to guard. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Okay, let me stop here for a second. Because you've had criticism of this on the postgame show. Fans out there, wherever it shall be social media, et cetera, et cetera, have pointed out that Syracuse doesn't run plays. They just kind of have this free-willing, freestyle offense. Here's what Autry said about that. These guys hear this stuff, and they know what the criticism is, and they know what's being said out there. And Autry, not in a snarky Bayheim way, but in a forceful way. You could tell, like, I've heard what you're saying about this, and here's my response to it kind of thing and Autry just really coming into his own he's had a lot of forceful strong comments in his post-game press conference what he said about Justin Taylor and the high praise he gave him after the Notre Dame game go back to the Wake Forest press conference he's really starting to kind of command the podium a little bit here so let me finish this quote where he says quote it's easy to guard plays it's hard to guard concepts when you're teaching guys how to play basketball That's hard to guard because it's unpredictable. Everybody wants to see plays. Everybody can call plays. We can call a play. But can you play basketball? That's what this offense is about. Space 
and letting players play. I think there's a middle ground there. I think you can call plays. I think you can be organized. I think you can look at what a defense is doing and counter that. But I understand where he's coming from there. Letting players play, have the freedom to do it. Judah Min certainly has that freedom, and that's how you recruit. You know, like it or leave it, love it or hate it, you can recruit by telling players they have the freedom to come in and do that. But I think there's a middle ground there, and I just don't agree with what he said about the defense and how this was one of the most solid both halves of the year. You still had a defensive breakdown. Like He was praising that defense as if you know they went in there and Virginia Tech shot like 30% in the second half. This is a Virginia Tech offense that looked much better in the second half, and teams always adjust, and I understand that, but they shot 49% in this game. They did not shoot well from three-point range. And here's where I'll give the Syracuse offense a lot of credit. There were only 17 total turnovers in this game. Virginia Tech had 10, Syracuse had 7. Syracuse fed off of 13 Notre Dame turnovers in the first half of that game and then held on for dear life in the second half. In this game, it was one of the more complete offensive games they've played. They did not let off the gas pedal there. The ball still moved. They found the open guy and Justin Taylor cutting down low and things that we've seen evolve in this offense. Chris Bell didn't have a great offensive night, but tip, you know, but he has in the six games prior to this, frankly, since Benny Williams has been out of the lineup, you've just seen a better team, better chemistry, better ball movement. And it's not all on Benny. I'm just, it just happens to be since he's left the team and they had to adjust how they play in that sense that a number of guys have really stepped up in that case. So I get what Autry's doing there. I know he's trying to praise his team, but I still think that defense wasn't quite what he made it out to be, particularly in the second half, but they did accomplish what they set out to do and is important to do against Virginia Tech, and that is shut down the three-point line. Okay, let's go inside the locker room a little bit here. I gave you some quotes from Autry. Let's hear from a couple of players. And look, this is the reality of college basketball today. When you are watching a player... And we're all wondering, who's playing their last home game? It's senior night. Monir Hema was the only player that went through the formal kind of senior line and got the flowers and got the recognition on the PA and everything. But he was not the only one playing his last home game tonight. I'm just going by law of averages. I'm going by the world we're in with the transfer portal, players going pro, and just the reality of college basketball today. I asked Judah Mintz about this after the game. Here's what he's doing to the world, being what it is. Do you give a thought that that might have been your last home game? <laughs> For sure. Uh, I'll be I'll be completely honest. I, I thought about it, uh, you know, but that decision will come, you know, after the season, just like last time. Uh, if, I, if you would have asked me last year around this time, I would have told you I was gone. Uh, and here I am today. Uh, so, you know, that's all I got to say. Fair. That that's all he wanted to say. I appreciate the honesty on that. He, you know, you could hear the laugh at the beginning of the clip. Like, I'm surprised nobody else asked about that. Maybe they did, and I just wasn't around because I had Judah uh, just pretty much one-on-one at that point. There was another reporter, shout out to Jordan Capozzi, my guy, who was there with me as well. But uh, you could tell I, I appreciated the honesty on that one, and I, I told him that afterwards. A couple more from Judah they're thinking about the NCAA tournament, maybe not during the 40 minutes of play they're on the court, but it's certainly something on the Oh, line. yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, when we're, when we're out there for 40 minutes, you know, we're not thinking about it. But when we practice and when we talk about what we need to do, uh, it's, it's all 
face toward the tournament. Um, we're not playing for any, just to play. Uh, we're playing to get to that to get to that goal. So that was the goal when we first got here, and it's not going to change. One more from Judah Mintz here on kind of the mentality of this team. Oh right? uh, yeah, I mean every game for us is exciting. Uh, you know, I told the team before we before we got out there, we got to play like we got everything to lose. Uh, and we do. That's how that's how it feels, and that's how we're gonna go out there and play and, and compete every time. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot at stake for us uh, as a program, as a team. But at the end of the day, it's fun for us. Uh, and that's why you see all the smiles on our face when we out there playing together. So I asked uh, Judah if this was his last home game. It was interesting. And look, in this day and age of social media and trying to decipher, is this some kind of code? Is this some kind of message? What am I reading here? Quadir Copeland on his Instagram, it was a picture of him and Judah, last home game, and what he wrote himself was last dance, right? And and the emoji where you're 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 kind of like you know shaking hands. Last dance, right? Well, what does that mean? The last dance for Judah, last dance for you and Judah at home, like just simply the last home game of the year. So I asked Quadir what he meant. No, it was just um, really just a Michael Jordan thing, uh, you know, and the thing, and it was just like, you know, it was just the last dance, you know, just at home, you know, that's like that's like my big, that's like my brother. So it was like us two playing at home. It's like showtime, you know, we can't play in front of the crowd no more for the rest of the season. So, you know, it's, it's definitely hard. But it's like, like I said, the last dance, and you see he went for 30. So that, that was really just a motivation to him just to, you know, and just to play in front of this crowd again, and we about to go on the road for our last two games. You know, us being 14 and two, also at home. You know, I feel like we owed them a lot of things. So it was just, it was really just love out to the crowd, not too, not too crazy looking to me. Now I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. It could just be a simply last dance, last home game. But it, he did reference Michael Jordan there. The reason that documentary was called the Last Dance was that team knew it was their last dance. That 1998 Chicago Bulls team, like. Phil Jackson flat out said it, that they knew this was their last run at it. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know if Quadir knows that, but just these days, you just, you got to ask, you got to try and figure it out. What what could it mean? I don't think any firm decisions are being made on any of this till after the season, but we're in the portal era. You just don't know. And certainly with Judah, the other equation there that comes into place, giving it a go at the pros once again. So. There you have it. Here's Quadier on Judah's big game a little bit more. Man, superstar, dog. Like that, man. You know, we've been talking about it all day, like, you know, being his, um, almost being like the last game in the Dome. So it's like, it's like, why not go out with a bang? And he did it. You know, he, he, he a dog at the end of the day, man. He works. He hoops. So it's just seeing that. It's like, it's like I said, it's just like watching the show. I can just sit back and watch, go get my rebounds when I got to. But I can sit back and watch, play defense. It's, a, it's an amazing show to watch. One more here, and this is a guy we have not heard from on the post-game show, but I'm glad I got a chance to catch up with him a little bit here. And I loved his answer about what he provides off the bench, and that's Kyle Cuff. Speedy on defense, can get to the hoop, right? Not afraid, as you're about to hear him say, to take on the other team's best offensive player. And remember, Kyle Cuff came from Kansas and knows what it takes to make the tournament go deep in the tournament, but also to have not only stars like a Judah Mintz in a Syracuse standpoint, but players like him to come off the bench and provide a little relief for the stars, but also play an important role. Here's what Kyle Cuff said about Playing defense, that's the most important thing that I have to do personally for the team is just play defense, guard the best guy, and give my teammates a rest when needed and give long stretches because we're getting to the end of the season 
dudes like Judah, dudes like JJ, like they can't play 40 minutes all the time because they're going to wear out. We want to get to that. <clears throat> we want to get to that Sweet 16, that Elite Eight. We want to get there. I know from being on a team like Kansas where I had DeJuan Harris, but then I had a dude like Larry Martin coming off the bench. Having people coming off the bench still bring that energy is what's going to need to win the games. There you have it. Uh, appreciate that good stuff from uh, Quadir Judah and Kyle Cuff. Now it's time to hear from a group that always brings the good stuff, our Syracuse Sports Insiders. We would love for you to join this growing community of passionate Syracuse fans that get to text me directly. I text you directly. The whole group gets inside opinion analysis first from me. So that Judah Mintz clip that you just heard where he was honest about, you know, he was thinking about that this could be his last home game. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders got texted that two hours ago. Came out of the locker room. First thing I did, sat down, wrote out that text, and our Syracuse Sports Insiders got it first because you get breaking news and opinion and insight and everything from me first. And when we record a podcast, which we're doing a lot of this week, you guys get the heads up. Who's on? What do you want to ask our guests? What do you want to ask me? We did our uh, Axe Brent Anything podcast that's up now. You guys came with great questions there. We would love for you to join our growing community of Syracuse Sports Insider. Shout out to Russ, who I met at the game tonight. Shout out to Bruce, who I met at the game tonight. And uh, you guys were texting away, as always, with great stuff during the game to become a Syracuse sports insider. It's really easy. All you have to do is text the word orange to 315-847-3895. Try it free for two weeks. See what it's like. See what you're getting. And not only on SU hoops, but lacrosse and football spring balls coming up and the never ending off season there. Syracuse women's basketball, of course, making a push here for the NCAA tournament, trying to get a home pod and a top four seed there. We're bringing it to you as a Syracuse sports insider. And then after two weeks, free, it's just $3.99 a month after that. Leading us off tonight, Paulie G, who says, in the last few games, they've gone from near unwatchable to actually being a fun team to watch. Better ball movement and other guys besides Mints are getting involved. Tonight, yes, Virginia Tech rallied in the second half, but I thought we did a good job pressing our foot on their throat towards the end. We need to keep it up moving forward. From Frankie S., just tell you what, this team is certainly playing its best basketball right now. It ain't pretty on the defensive end, as we've seen, but the confidence is building. Let's see two good halves of basketball. From Drew, who says, it looks like a team playing with a chip on their shoulder, perhaps aware that they're a bubble team that's not on the bubble, question mark. So, guys, um, this net ranking thing, it befuddles me. I almost feel like we should go old school here. You're a 10-win team in the ACC. You're 19-10 and 10 overall, and they got to keep taking care of business here. I'm not saying, you know, punch their golden ticket now. Their strength of schedule, six in the country. They're 28th in the RPI. The net ranking has them at 85. That's why I'm bringing on Patrick Stevens on the pod this week. Please explain this to me. Please make sense of this. I was a fan of the net rankings. I was a fan of the quad system, but something has gone awry. People have figured out how to game the system, mostly the Big 12, playing all these quad four teams and blowing them out because you get credit for margin of victory there. And the ACC should not be, or any league for that matter, but, you know, close to what we're talking about here, for playing each other, beating up on each other, and playing in a competitive league. Because that seems to be what they're being punished for. And Syracuse may be emerging from that to at least be in consideration for the tournament, but 
That's why I'm bringing on Patrick Stevens on the pod this week, not only to plot out Syracuse's path to the tournament, but please explain this net ranking thing to me, why it's the metric and what its flaws are, what needs to be fixed about it. So there you have it. But most of you seem to be under the belief that at the very least, they're not a bubble team anymore. From Braden, who says, hey, Brent, great win by the team, but after a great defensive first half where you give up 27, it's a headache when you give up 44 in the second half, but great job sharing the ball today as well. From Josh, we had a few comments about my man Quadir. He said, I love Q's game. He's going to be an all-time favorite by the time he graduates. He reminds me a lot of Scoop in the sense that you live by the Q and you die by the Q. I've said you got to let Q be Q, but there's a couple of good points here from Ryan Jeeves. He says, I love Copeland's energy, but it seems like he's a member of the Globetrotters at times. Uh, sometimes the simple play is the best play. And Brian A., who notes, I love Quadir, but some of his layups don't need so much mustard. I think these are your fair points. I think Quadir, as his game matures and grows, the simple play is the best play. There's plenty of time for flair and energy and the smile he brings and the behind-the-back passes. And there are moments where the game is fun. It should be fun, and you got to let Q be Q. And I will stick by that. But there's also times you got to be smart, and the simple play is the best play. He gets caught up under the basket way too much because he's trying one too many moves. Sometimes it's laying off the glass. Sometimes you know what's cool? You know what's sexy? The simple play, right? And I think he's got to learn that. I think he's going to be an all-timer. I think his popularity is going to be off the charts by the time he leaves here. And I love his game and what he brings to the table. I got nothing but love for Q. But those are valid points about his game. Those are very valid points about his game. That's all. Gabe says, Brent, three things for you. One, would have been nice to see Hema get a minute or two on senior day. I did note earlier, uh, Hema was not feeling well tonight, so that's why he didn't play. Uh, Not that I think he would have played anyway, frankly, but that's why he didn't play tonight. Two, Uncle Joey Brackets says we still got a chance, that being, of course, Joe Lenardi of ESPN. And three, have we sadly seen the last game with Judah in the Dome? I do think so. I think Judah's going to give it a go in the pros. And let's, I brought this up in my Ax Me Anything pod, and I'll briefly reiterate it here. Guys, we're in a different world here. I don't have any inside information on this. I'm just saying, if Judah, let's say, tests the waters, doesn't like what he hears, what's to say... And again, I'm not saying anything. I don't know anything. I'm just, look, we're in this world. That he wouldn't go to the highest bidder, Georgetown or Maryland or a team that can tug at his heartstrings. He's from that area or or anybody, frankly, just drops in with the highest NIL offer. The rules are out the window. They tamper anyway. They make arrangements with these players to bring them in. I'm just saying you got to leave open the possibility that could happen. And look with Jesse Edwards, went to the highest bidder. Syracuse gave him a very generous NIL offer. He went with the higher offer at West Virginia, right? So I'm not saying that's what Judah's going to do. I would love to see Judah come back next year. I think Judah could work his way into being a top 15 pick if he came back next year, but that's what the process is for. It's not really testing the waters. That's what he did last year. This year would just be a true NBA process. You got to go to the combine in Chicago. You got to check a lot of boxes there. And if he just wants to get drafted, 
that's going to be close, right? But we're in a different world now. And this is not just about Judah, by the way. I think everybody, as much as you don't want to hear it, Chris Bell, Quadir, Malik, like there's a lot of vultures out there that are going to be throwing NIL money. Not that they wouldn't get good at NIL money here. Judah gets plenty of NIL money here. He's in commercials. He makes several public appearances. Like he's doing okay in the NIL department. I'm just saying we're in a different world now, right? So per Gabe's question, do I think he's going to be back next year for a couple of factors? I don't think so. I played the clip earlier. I really appreciated his honesty that he at least thought about this could be his last home game. But would I fall out of my chair and just stun shock if he was on the court for Syracuse next year? No, it's just not the prediction I'm going to make. Uh, let's see, a couple more from you guys. Johnny P says, got to give credit to Judah, speaking of which, for being honest with that question. One of the most professional answers I think he's ever given. No fluff, just real, true honesty. Couldn't agree more, John. I always appreciate it when guys are straight with you like that. And uh, shout out to Syracuse. That's why I appreciate that they have an open locker room. And these aren't just players at a podium spouting cliches in front of people in a room because that changes their mentality. When it's an open locker room and you can sit down, you can look somebody in the eye, you can have a, not really a private conversation, but a one-on-one -on -one or, you know, only maybe one or two other reporters hanging around talking, you get more honest answers from these guys. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being honest about that. From LS, who says, does anyone think the committee would take an 8-8 eight and eight Big 12 team over a 12-8 and eight ACC team? with wins over LSU, Oregon, UNC, and a road win at Clemson in a sweep over Pitt. Now, Syracuse has to get that win against Clemson next Tuesday. I guess it depends on which Big 12 team you're comparing them to. And the way the committee has played it out, the way the bracketologists have played it out, sadly, I think the answer to that is yes. But I think Syracuse's resume is starting to look better in some ways, but if you just go by the metrics and the net and what they use to decide the NCAA tournament field now, they've still got an uphill climb here. A few more from you guys. Michael L. says, Mintz, six assists to two turnovers was the difference. Credit to Malik Brown, doing Malik Brown things, but really important contributions by Kyle, Justin, Q, and Bell. His block saved the game. From Lacey, at the beginning of the month, I believe after the Wake Forest game, you asked us on the pod if this team had made improvements. At that point, I felt the improvements were small. Three weeks later, although really late in the season, I can see definite improvement. They're playing well together, moving the ball better. The energy is positive, and I think this team has found itself. From Brian C., Syracuse gets one more crack at Clemson, and the way they're playing now, winning out and picking up a couple wins in the ACC could leave them at 23-11, and 11, and... They would deserve to be in the dance, even if they very well couldn't make it due to the net ranking nonsense. And I think we'll close out here with Jacob, who texted in at 315-847-3895 as a Syracuse Sports Insider. I would once again like to shout out Ken Pomeroy. <laughs> what did Pomeroy say? I knew I know it was a losing record, but I think he said Syracuse was only going to win like 11 games this year or something crazy like that. Anyway, Cardiac Use is back. Wouldn't be Syracuse basketball without making it exciting towards the end. Too crazy and too late to be thinking tournament, question mark? No, but just kind of know what we're dealing with here, right? Know what the net ranking is. Know what the metrics are. Know what the committee determines teams to get into the tournament. It doesn't change the fact that it's inherently flawed. 
that Syracuse has a great strength of schedule, a great RPI ranking, but it also doesn't change the fact that Syracuse cannot lose the rest of the way. Don't lose to Louisville because that would just be a major misstep they don't need. You got to grab that Clemson win. You got to have a good showing in the ACC tournament. I just, I feel like one more loss knocks them out. Whatever that loss may be, it, if they lost tonight, they'd be they'd be out. That's how razor thin this is, but they're not out. Thanks to Judah Mintz and his 29 points and the uh, offense moving the ball and all the things that we went over in the boxes that they checked here. As Syracuse wins its fourth game in the last five. All those wins scoring in the 80s. Syracuse has won three in a row. And I believe as the song said here, friends... There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear, but we will find out next time when the Orange take the court at Louisville on Saturday. Remember, a team they only beat by two in a 94-92 barn burner at the Dome earlier this month. A couple of quick notes before we go. Podcasts going to be humming this week. Already up. Ask me anything. And you guys uh, brought it. With those questions, we had a lot of fun on who we think is going to be on the roster next year. Football questions, my top five Bruce Springsteen songs, and some other great questions that came from you, our great Syracuse Sports Insiders. Also this week, Kelly Gramlich, ACC Network, ESPN, Gramlich and McLean Podcast on Syracuse women's basketball, their path to the tournament, and the ACC football offseason. That's coming up this week. I mentioned our friend Patrick Stevens, bracketologist. What's up with the net rankings? What's up with Syracuse's path? And all the questions you want answered about where we're at in bracketology as we come down the home stretch of the season. And also this week, four-time All-American, one hell of an American, my friend, and one of the more passionate and knowledgeable lacrosse voices out there. That's right, friends, making his return. Uncle Ricky Beast, Rick Beardsley. Really looking forward to that. I wanted to get Rick on after Syracuse plays Army. Top 10 game at the Dome Wednesday night. Juicy lacrosse. Gotta love it. That's all coming up on the pod this week. And we'll have a post game after Syracuse plays Louisville. So we're going to be busy. And that's why being a Syracuse sports insider pays off. Because you get the tips, the insight, the insight, the analysis, the quotes from the locker room. And everything that you get as a Syracuse Sports Insider and just the questions you want to ask me, fire away anytime. Try it free for two weeks, then it's just $3.99 a month after that. Join our growing Syracuse Sports Insider community by texting the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. That's going to do it for this edition of Syracuse Basketball Postgame. Thanks for hanging with us as always, guys. The ORANGE take down Virginia Tech 84-71. We will talk to you next time.